With all not your truth or kindness, Lord. With all not your truth or kindness, Lord. Welcome to The Notice, where together we notice the mercy of God. I'm Susan Hookstra, your host. The Notice podcast explores our need for validation and affirmation through biblical musings and conversations with special guests. Experience relevant topics and encouragement as we take notice of how the God of mercy satisfies. Do you compare yourself? Do you constantly glance sideways asking, how do I measure up? We see women all around us who have lived their whole lives comparing themselves. It's not like we outgrow this problem of comparison. Back to that measuring cup analogy. If you want to break free, if you want to stop, if you want to break the habit, you know, we, we said comparison's like a drug. If you want to kick the habit, tip your measuring cup. So stay tuned as I welcome Shannon Popkin, author of her new book, Comparison Girl, as she shares what she's learned about her own comparison struggles. Listen in as we learn from Jesus about me-free living in a measure-up world. Today, I am honored to have Shannon Popkin as a guest on The Notice. Shannon Popkin is a writer, speaker, and Bible teacher who loves pointing others to the truths of God's Word. She combines her gifts for humor and storytelling with her passion for Jesus. She regularly speaks at Christian's women's events and retreats and is a regular contributor for the Revives Our Heart True Women and Leader Connection blogs. Her articles have been published by Family Fun, Focus on the Family Magazine, Mom Sense, and others. She's the author of actually several books, including Control Girl, Lessons on Surrendering Your Burden of Control from Seven Women in the Bible, Influence, Building a Platform that Elevates Jesus, Not Me, and most recently, Comparison Girl, Lessons from Jesus on Me-Free Living in a Measure-Up World. Popkin and her husband, Ken, have been married for more than 20 years and live in the beautiful state of Michigan. They have three children, one in high school and two in college. So Shannon, welcome and thank you so much for being here. It is such a joy, Susan. Thanks for having me. You know, I usually tell our listeners a little bit about how I meet people and our guests, and, and I belong to Flourish Writers Academy, and mm -hmm. I saw a post that invited members to be part of this book launch. Now, I can't be on everyone's book launch team. It's just not possible. Okay. <laughs> but for some reason, I'm thinking it's probably the Holy Spirit <laughs> drew me to this book and the content of this book. And I was so drawn to it. It was a joy to be part of the launch team and mm -hmm. to discuss this topic with women. We really need to be talking about this. Yes. And I know I've certainly struggled with comparison my whole life. And I know so many others have too. So I assume it's safe to say that with the release of this book, that comparison is a problem for you too. Oh, yes, ma'am, it is. <laughs> yeah, I, I might have a PhD in the, in the topic <laughs> of comparing myself. Yeah, it's been something I've struggled with for quite a while. And has measuring up and proving yourself to others been something that you struggled with your entire life or have you just noticed it now? You know, I see that 
you know, as I look back, I see it. I didn't really think of that as the problem. I thought the problem was, you know, myself or this other person, right? Mm -hmm. And I see that I, you know, I was comparing as a child, it was really important for me to do well in school, you know, so I was comparing that way. And then like when I got to be dating age, it was like comparing my dating life with other girls' dating lives, right. you know, as a high school or college student. And then and then I became a young mom and it was about comparing like my mothering style to others' mothering mm-hmm. styles and, and maybe those who were pursuing a career while I was staying at home for a while. And, um, and now as an author and speaker, I'm still comparing, but it's just, <laughs> you know, it, it just, the, the differences, um, maybe it might be a different arena that I'm comparing in, but this thread of measuring myself against other people has been with me for as long as I can remember. And this has been kind of like an internal battle, right? Something that happens in the mind, right? Yes. Yeah. In fact, I mean, I might, you know, they say that your first childhood memory kind of says something about you because uh, it, you know, it indents itself in your memory. And my first childhood memory has some little comparison girl threads in it. <laughs> I was a little four-year-old and we were at church and I was sitting a couple rows ahead of my parents, which might also tell you something about my personality. You know, I wanted to sit by myself in church. I don't know why. But I, I remember I was standing there with my hymn book and I'm singing out, standing really tall, feeling so proud of myself in church. And a woman leaned down from behind me and she took my hymn book and turned it upside down or right side up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I looked back at her and I saw this, like, you know, she was with a a couple of different ladies and they were grinning down at me with these like patronizing smiles. And I was angry as a four-year-old and I took that handbook and I flipped it back right side up as if to say, this is the way I like to hold my handbook. Thank you very much. (laughs) And you know, what is it about a four-year-old that makes, you know, why would a four-year-old be concerned with suddenly, you know, feeling exposed or embarrassed or ashamed that the others around me might know that, oh no, I don't know how to read as a four-year-old. Like that's ridiculous, you know, but I'm, I'm feeling less than and feel, I was feeling exposed. I was feeling um, like suddenly my flaws were being magnified in the eyes of others and I didn't like it. And, And as ludicrous as that sounds, I'm still doing it today. Why is it that I, you know, am ashamed or embarrassed to say that I have certain things I struggle with? You know, I struggle as a mom, I struggle as a wife, I struggle with my weight, I struggle with feeling inadequate in a hundred different ways. Why is it that I, I want to keep that a secret and not, you know, why why do I feel exposed by that? I guess that's one of the questions and, I wanted to explore. And and I think it's great. I, I, I'm sure you've heard of Brenny Brown. I think you even quote her in your book. But, mm-hmm. you know, she talks about being vulnerable and how this is important that we talk yeah. about this. So I've compared in my mind, but I haven't shared in my mind. Mm -hmm. I haven't shared Mm -hmm. that really a lot with others. I've kind of kept that between me and God. And maybe it it would come out as resentment or bitterness or some other kind of Mm -hmm. something. Brene Brown says that um, vulnerability is the birthplace for connection. Um, And so like, yeah, when, when we just keep these struggles in our minds, and we don't share them with others, it's like it can just fester and grow. And so there's this freedom that comes when we lean in and say, yeah, me too. I struggle too. Right. Um, not in a 
like not and I'm, I'm gonna outdo you not, not, you're not comparing about comparing right <laughs> yes yes but um yeah if we talk about it I think there's a lot of value in that and and one thing that I've noticed as I've talked to different groups about this topic and thrown out different things on social media we're willing to talk about our feelings of inadequacy to some level, especially when, you know, when I say, hey, tell me about your childhood. We're willing to look back and say, yeah, I felt really inadequate in gym class or the way I, you know, my studies or different things. Um, we're not as willing to talk about that sense of superiority mm. that we have, mm. you know, that is a lot more uncomfortable to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, that that secret enjoyment that we have in outdoing others and finding ways that like, oh yeah, I'm better than her. I've outdone her. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an important thing to talk about too, as uncomfortable as it is to expose that to the light and say, yeah, me too. I struggle with wanting to get ahead, to prove myself, all of those measure up, you know, either way, whether we're feeling inadequate or superior, both of those are, are traps to divide us exactly yeah it's either one or the other i call it the seesaw (laughs) you know you're kind of going up and down up and down and neither one feels comfortable Um, or free or free you know you have um on the cover of your book you have a picture of a measuring cup pouring liquid can you Mm -hmm. explain this cup and the analogy of living by the lines versus living by the spout I loved this analogy. (laughs) Yeah, I think what first led me to that analogy was a verse in Philippians 2. It says, well, let me just start at Philippians 2 verse 4. It says, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And then it goes on to talk about how Jesus emptied himself even further on the cross. And so this idea of emptying himself, um, Jesus did not come into our world to prove his greatness or that he measured up, like even though he was equal with God, that's not what he set out to prove. And so here's the metaphor is, is, um, you know, if we were to take a measuring cup and think of ourselves, our lives as a measuring cup, and in it are all of the things, you know, that make us us, maybe our, our gifts and our aptitudes and our resources. The world says that we need to take that cup and put it next to all of the other cups and prove ourselves and prove our greatness, prove our worth, prove that we do measure up. Um, and but, that, but like we've just been seeing, Susan, that just leads us into like bondage, right? When we're mm-hmm, always mm-hmm. measuring. And Jesus wants us to be free of that. And so Jesus says, come follow me. Come live life the way that I did. And so rather than living this measure up life, Jesus points to the spout on our measuring cup. And he says, come and empty yourself, pour your life out. Um, and, you know, he went first, right? He showed us how it's done. Right. Jesus went before us and poured everything out on the cross that he might lift us up out of our pit of sin. And, and then let me just read um, further on in that passage. It says, so that at the name of Jesus, uh, well, verse nine says in Philippians two, therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed upon him every name, the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And so that's what greatness looks like in the kingdom. 
our, the great one was the one who completely emptied himself out. Extreme humility. God himself came and tucked himself into the form of a little baby and lived his life that he might um, empty himself on the cross, that, that he might lift us up out of our depravity. And that's what greatness looks like for us too. We are image bearers. And so when we humble ourselves and give our lives for others and pour ourselves out instead of trying to measure up and prove ourselves, that's the that's what greatness looks like in the kingdom of God. And, you know, it's so hard to get into this tra- or to get out of the trap, though, because we don't only compare the lines, we compare the size of the cup. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> how big is the measuring cup? Do you have a half cup or a whole cup? I mean, we 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 take it really far. And then when we do that, we have this sense of it's almost it's almost addictive. You know, you say in your book that comparing is is like a drug. I mean, tell me what you were thinking when you mentioned that. Well, it's the more that you do it, the more you want to, right? It's um, it's not something that like once we start compare, you know, once I go ahead and let myself compare, well, then I, I'll be finished with it. No, the more that I compare, the more I want to. Um, and the more I focus on my sense of inadequacy, the more focused I'll be on my sense of inadequacy and more that the more that I try to douse out that sense of inadequacy with pride and lift myself up the more addicted I am to being the the biggest person in the room or the most celebrated what in some certain way um and and you know we see it we see women all around us who've lived their whole lives comparing themselves you know it started as a childhood mm-hmm. thing where, you know, maybe one sister felt like she was in the shadow of her other sister or somebody in the workplace, you know, she didn't get the promotion. And, and, and by the time she's at the retirement prop, uh, party, she still feels less than, she still feels, mm-hmm. she's still trying to, or, or does get um, accepted into that higher role. Well, then she feels this pressure and this um, drive to maintain that. It's not like we outgrow this problem with comparison, but, you know, back to that measuring cup analogy, if you want to break free, if you want to stop, if you want to break the habit, you know, we we said comparison is like a drug. If you want to kick the habit, tip your measuring cup, because think about that measuring cup when it's tipped to one side and, and you go to activate the spout on your measuring cup, the lines are no longer relevant. So what you can't be both pouring and measuring at the same time. Right. So when you when you lean down to serve someone and you, and you try to pour yourself into somebody, you're not measuring yourself against them anymore, right? Or if you put someone else first and you, and you send them on up ahead, you're not trying to get ahead of them. So there's just this freedom that comes in living the life that Jesus calls us to and humbling ourselves. You know, so think about the woman that you're comparing yourself with right now. And, you know, you just, it drives you crazy. You're always thinking about her, like her, maybe her parenting or her marriage or her money or whatever it is that she has that you don't have, or, or you're um, trying to prove yourself in some way. Well, what if you went and tried to serve her in some way? You know, what if you prayed for her? What if you tried to encourage her? What if you tried to lift her up? If that's your goal, then you're free of trying to outdo her and trying to measure against her. And the other thing this reminds me of is in Ephesians, he talks about how we are his workmanship. 
Mm. All of us are a piece of art. Now, how, but we compare a sculpture with a painting. And instead, if we live with me free living, what we're doing, we're saying the sculpture's cool, the painting's cool, mm -hmm. the, the, you know, the music is cool, whatever way somebody expresses themselves or is uniquely a masterpiece. It keeps us from focusing on ourselves. It keeps us focusing on the other person. We can celebrate the other person. Absolutely. And it's, it yeah. keeps us out of that bondage of, of also needing validation and affirmation. Mm -hmm. I talk about that a lot on this podcast and I'm writing a book about that because I think a lot of times we, we feel like we need to be validated, like we need our experiences acknowledged or affirmed. Mm -hmm. We need our, our experiences approved. And it so intersects with comparison because it it's almost like a gateway. You know, when mm -hmm. you compare, then you need more validation. When you compare, mm -hmm. you need more affirmation, you know, and is, you know, is it the cart before the horse? I don't know, but either way, we're not free. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I think is so interesting is um, that Jesus actually calls our attention to comparing and noticing differences. You know, he doesn't say, just stop comparing. Instead, when he's responding to people who are comparing, he, he tells these different stories where he's actually comparing in the story. You know, so like he tells the story of the tax collector and the Pharisee in the temple. You know, he tells a comparison story or he tells the story of the three talents. Um, and he tells uh, the, the story of the wise and the foolish builder. So he, it's almost like Jesus is calling out, like, look at, these are different. Um, there's differences between these people. Charles Spurgeon says that if there's a character of God that he loves, characteristic of God that he loves, first of all, it would probably be his sovereignty. But second, it would most likely be his creativity mm. because we see variety and diversity in all that he has created and I love I love that I love the fact that okay let me just call attention to the parable of the three talent or the um the parable of the talents you know Jesus told this story about this master going away and he's giving his property to three different servants and if Jesus wanted for us to feel like we are all exactly the same I think he would have told the story where the master gave each of the servants you know, two talents or each of them three, but Jesus has that one of them has five, one of them has two and one of them has one. So it's almost like Jesus is pointing out like, yeah, they're different. And, and he says that the master gives to them according to their capacity. So they're different. They're, they have different capacity levels. And, and so you can almost picture the disciples listening to the story and saying, well, okay, which one am I? Am I the one with the two talents? Am I the one with the five talents? And we do the same thing. We're, mm -hmm. You know, we look at somebody else. And even though we're a masterpiece, we're uniquely designed by God with a different capacity than the person next to us. Um, we want to measure ourselves against her and what and her output usually, you know, or what she's able to create or produce where, um, and, and like picture, picture them, the talent, it wasn't a, um, like a, a value or a, it was a measurement. So a talent was like a 70 pound measurement, 70 or 80 pound measurement. Mm -hmm. So let's say he gave um, two talents of gold to one of them and he gave um, five talents of something else to s someone else, you know, so like it, it wasn't gold, maybe it was silver, wh whatever it was, we have we've different gifts. We were not given all the same 
exact gifts or in the same amount. And, and the beautiful thing about that story is that at the end, the two who, who multiplied what they had been given, they were both given the same response from Jesus. Well done, good and faithful servant. Mm. Well done. Mm. And, and each of us have opportunity to hear well done, but in over different um, assignments exactly. <laughs> or different and, life purposes. And creation reminds me of that. You know, do you know how many different species of flowers there are? And they're all have their own beauty and they all have their own bloom time and they're all different. I mean, how can you, you know, measure rhododendron against um, a petunia? They're just different. And it's okay. And I think especially at this time when we're facing some of these issues in our country, it's really great to be reminded of that. God is a diverse God. He loves diversity. It's part of who he is. He wants to I, I call it a facet, like there's so many different facets, mm-hmm. like if you look at a ring and it has those different facets, and you can just, you know, one particular thing shines, and it's like the whole is God. So I always I always talk about this, and I talk about this a lot with my small group, is that we are a piece of the master, mm-hmm. we're, and we're designed to shine for him. And so mm-hmm. it, that celebrates us, but we're not going to get there if we're comparing and the enemy, tell me about the enemy. How is he trying to mess this up for us? Yeah, like what a shame for the rhododendron to try to be the, the did you say petunia? Yeah. Like what What a shame, right? It, but our enemy wants for the rhododendron to feel like, you know, look at you, you're, you're bigger. You're not as... <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you, you're early, you came out earlier than the petunia, the petunia and, or the petunia, look at you, you're behind the rhododendron, you know, in my backyard, my rhododendrons are just blooming and, um, and my petunias are, are just getting started, but you know what? They're both by God's design. Our enemy wants to point at those differences and say, there's something wrong with you. Um, and, and tempt us, like if you think of the measuring cup analogy, our enemy wants us always focused on the lines, always taking what is in our measuring cup and either lifting it up in superiority, I'm better than you, or feeling inadequate. And I always just remind women, you know what, if you are hearing some voice in your head saying, look over at her, look over at her, look at how much more beautiful she is, look at how her family looks perfect, she's more successful, she has more money, that voice, that's never your Jesus. Mm-hmm. If you listen to the voice of Jesus, if you look through the pages of scripture and look at all the red letter texts in the Bible, you will never find Jesus saying anything remotely like that to any person. That's not what Jesus talks like. That is the voice of our enemy though. Our enemy is constantly say, trying, you know, saying he, he wanted to be lifted up. He wanted to be like the most high, Isaiah tells us. Mm-hmm. Like is a comparison word. So he wasn't content. I mean, Satan was um, had authority and um, status in heaven, but he wasn't content with that. He, he had the audacity as a created being to compare himself with God and saying he wanted to be lifted up. He wanted to be like God. And so he tempts us in the same way that his heart is bent. For us to always want to be lifted up, to be more than, to be greater than someone else. Um, and, feel... and he wanted to be worshipped, too. <laughs> like yes. God. We, you know? We also, yeah, we, we want somebody to say something nice about us. You know, there was an adorable story that you talk about in the book about being, 
your te- you were a teacher, fourth fourth grade, right? Fourth mm-hmm. grade teacher, and you the principal said some some words of affirmation to you, and they they stuck with you for a very very long time. And sometimes these messages, whether they're negative messages or positive messages, get us on that seesaw like we talked. We get either think we're better than or we're less than. But sometimes we like ruminate over those messages how can we stop listening to those messages you know i think it's a matter of reclaiming truth you know what does god say about me and what does god invite me to and there's never a time when god invites me to take what's in my measuring cup and use it to prove my worth that's not up for debate my worth has already been established. Like you said, I'm a masterpiece. And what's in my measuring cup does not is not the sum total of my worth. And so reclaiming uh, the truth about my worth, but also my purpose. I have good works prepared in advance for me to do. And if I am constantly measuring myself, it actually keeps me from my purpose. Yeah, you're distracted. <laughs> yes. And that's the enemy. He wants for us to be distracted and to be all caught up in these feelings of worthlessness and inadequacy or pride mm-hmm. or trying, you know, trying driven to prove ourselves. And it's such a distraction away from um, this me free living that Jesus calls us to. You know, if I walk into a room not concerned about how I measure up, I am so much more free to serve the people who are in that room. Whereas if I walk into that room with an agenda to try and posture or make myself look better or lift myself up, you know, it keeps me like, maybe I won't, well, I'm distracted for one, but maybe I'll be afraid to say something that might be, um, you know, might make me look bad or might, you know, it's just all of those different um, concerns that I have. And when I walk out of that room, I'll obsess over, oh, I, you know, I wish I wouldn't have said that, that I looked dumb. I looked fat. I was, you know, I didn't, I didn't sound right. Or what did they, what was that person thinking when I said this? All of these sorts of things, they're all focused on ourselves. And they keep us distracted from the mission. Yes. Yeah. Where Jesus wants us to be free. He, He wants us to live this me free living, this life of living by the spout where it wasn't our goal to walk into that room and measure up. Our goal was to walk into that room and to take what was in our measuring cup and pour it out and give it, give our lives to other people. Well, there's a couple things in the book that I think give a great example of that. One is that you explained what me free living looks like. Uh, two of the questions you ask yourself when you're comparing yourself is, let's say you're getting together on a podcast with a friend. You say, <laughs> what do I need uniquely have to offer this person? Or in what ways has God gifted her to help me grow? I think this is so powerful because it changes our relationships. We're more on equal footing because the reality is we all are on equal footing because we're all sinners, right? (laughs) And we all mess up. So we really, I mean, if we're going to compare ourselves, you know, you even talk about in your book, I love that you talk about your, in the chapter about comparing our sins, you talk about the courtroom and how we put ourselves in the courtroom. And then you also compare wealth, you talk about skin deep packaging, our status, our ministries. You also talk about um, judging others. But if we live in a world of mercy, where we're accepting God's gift of salvation and that 
he basically took it off the table. Because I talk about mercy a lot on this podcast because I'm like, folks, he took you how you feel about yourself off the table because he said, it doesn't matter. I took care of it. Can we just get on to the business of, of, of the mission? Can we just move forward? Let's, let's do that and let's be free to do that and let's see how your diversity is going to just e- expand to others. And, you know, you say in the book, you say, why does it matter so much if someone knows about my sins and imperfection? Hasn't the cross already exposed me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's powerful. Like, it's, already, it's already been, if I say I'm a Christian, what that means is that my sin is what put Jesus on that cross. That's what it means. I would not need a savior. I would not need Christ. Christian is someone who has asked Christ to be their savior. And I wouldn't need that if I wasn't sinful. And so by calling myself a Christian, I've already said I'm a sinful person. And why is it so hard for me? You know, why do I feel exposed when my sin is called out again? Like, shouldn't I just say, oh, yeah, didn't you, you heard, right, that I'm a Christian, which means I'm a sinful person. So I'm sorry that you have to deal with this. Mm-hmm. But, but then to move forward and say, my sin has been taken care of. My sin has already been forgiven. Um, and inviting other people like, yeah, I'm, I'm so sorry for my sin. Please forgive me. And let's move, move on. So many of us, though, Susan, we get stuck in the courtroom conversations. We do. Even in our head. Guilty. Right? <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. We spend all this time in the courtroom and like it's, you know, nobody knows we're in there. Like we're in there by ourselves. And, and But we put this other person that we're comparing with over at the on the other side of the courtroom and we're arguing our case and we're putting words in her mouth. And then we're re- doing our rebuttals and we're, and we're arguing it all out. And Jesus says, you know what? The case has already been closed. You are free to go. Jesus already mm-hmm. paid mm-hmm. for every single sin. Why are you back in there arguing your case? You're free to go. And I think that we as Christians, we've got to do a better job of having outside the car- courtroom conversations mm-hmm. where we don't go back in and hash it all out. Like, yes, let's admit, yeah, there was wrongdoing, right? Um, and, and when there's some grievous sin that has taken place, yes, we do need to talk about it. I'm, I'm not suggesting that we hide things or sweep them under the carpet, but I'm talking more about those little inconsequential things that we spend so much time hashing out in our minds. Like, why did she say that? What was she thinking when she said that? You know, those, you know what I'm talking about. Yes. Right? Yes. <laughs> and then we spend the whole afternoon or the whole week in the courtroom. And Jesus is like, you know what? Get out of that courtroom. Like go have a conversation with her. And that is not about you know, right and wrong and hashing it all out. But maybe a conversation that says, you know what, there was, there was something between, I can sense there's something between us. You know, I'm a sinful person. Um, We don't have to hash it all out. Let's just, let's just move forward and let's reconcile. And we were designed to live in unity and with our sisters and with our brothers, not, um, not trying to prove ourselves. Yeah. And this, and I think mercy puts us all on that that even place. And then then you don't have to compare. You can just say, okay, God, I understand that you're, Shannon, you're a sinner. I understand, Susan, I'm a sinner. Mm-hmm. And so let's just kind of just say, okay, we're good. Right. <laughs> right. And, and, you know, um, 
COVID-19, there has been a lot of, there are a lot of new situations, a lot of new gray areas where it's not really right or wrong, but we, we make it a courtroom type thing where, you know, maybe we're invited to um, a gathering at someone's house and they're having the gathering inside and they're not, you know, no one's wearing masks and, and, and different opinions and feelings about that or um, the racism that we're experiencing and people are, um, this is right and that's wrong and you should post about it or you shouldn't post about it or, you know, there's just a hundred different opinions mm-hmm. on how to respond to everything that's going on around us. But what if we could approach each other just with grace and saying, you know what, she might think differently about this that's okay. I can live mm-hmm. with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe her situation's different. That's okay. Mm-hmm. I can live with that. And, um, and just giving our, our sisters and our brothers grace and not comparing down with them, um, in some sense of superiority, but just saying she's going to do it different. We are going to do it differently coming out of this, um, this crisis. We're all going to respond differently and we've got to give each other grace. And one of the things that God has really spoke to me during COVID is, you know, where he says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. And it's resonated with me through this whole thing because, and you can apply that as much as I try to get as close to God as I possibly can. I don't understand him completely. Okay. I don't, not 100% because he's really too big for me to comprehend. So he, you know, explains himself in ways I can understand. Right. Mm -hmm. But then we, we start to think that, well, maybe he just doesn't know what's going on. Maybe he doesn't <laughs> see COVID. Maybe he doesn't see the things that have been happening with the race issues. He does. Well, and why would it give me more comfort to think God doesn't see? That would give me less comfort. That means nobody sees. Mm-hmm. That means nobody's in control, right? Mm-hmm. No, God sees. And I completely agree. His purposes are above our own. And and I think, you know, one of the ways that we often Try, we, you know, we don't understand God's ways is when he gives somebody something that he hasn't given us mm-hmm. and we compare with her, like maybe he's given her a husband or he's given her a child or he's given her more money. You know, she doesn't have to grapple with the scarcity that I do. It's really hard. Right. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand God. Why would you give her more? Why would you give me less? Doesn't make sense to me. Um, or I've even grappled with God, why have you given me more and her less? I don't understand. You know, what is it about some skin tones that they, they seem to have more privilege than other skin tones? Why is that? Why have you even allowed this situation to um, cause this tension, God? And I think that there is a humility in saying, I don't get it. I don't understand yeah. it. Um, but but I, I affirm that God has put more in some measuring cups and less in others. And it's, it has nothing to do with superiority or inferiority. It, it has everything to do with me pouring my cup and emptying myself and lifting someone else up or someone else receiving me, me receiving something in my cup that someone else is pouring into me. When we are willing to do that, this unity forms between different people different diverse people who come with something different in their measuring cup. You know, when you tip a measuring cup, you got to get it closer to the other one, right? Mm-hmm. You're not, mm-hmm. you're not intending to spill it out on the floor. You're intending to pour it into other people. That's God's design for us when we give of ourselves. And, and, and so that's what creates unity um, among very, very diverse people. 
is when there's this humility. It's not about superiority. It's about coming together and sharing what we've been given. Yeah, and celebrating that it's okay that we're different. Yeah, I, I love that we're different. I think it's yeah. way cool that we're different. I love yeah. the different species of flowers. Um, in fact, right. you know, like right now, my rhododendrons are blooming in full bloom and they're gorgeous and they remind me of the beauty of the world. And I think that God wants us to sit there. He wants us to remember why I love going on creation because it reminds me all the time of his goodness. His goodness far superior. His ways are far superior. And he wants to invite us into a new way of looking at ourselves yeah. that we don't have to compare ourselves, that we we can just say, okay, how can I serve who's in front of me today? And yeah, it doesn't we're, matter we're, where that world is. It doesn't yeah. matter if it's the person, my husband and I do this thing, we go, when we go to Meyer, we, we talk to the, the person that checks us out and we constantly talk to him, we call him by name, we say, hey James, how are you doing today? And we, we, every, I don't know, we got into this thing, I don't know how it happened. It was a reminder of being present for that person that's right there mm. and encouraging them and what they're doing, what, wherever you are, it doesn't matter. Because God right. will say, like you said earlier, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I mm -hmm. saw you. I noticed you. Like mm -hmm. I talk about here on the notice, it's about noticing. God notices us. He mm -hmm. will notice you, so you don't have to compare. So I'm getting on a rant about all that. But mm -hmm. I know it's just such good, powerful stuff. But you have the book. Well, it's considered like a Bible study, right? And then you have a companion journal that people can get. And I'm excited because our small group is going to do it. I talked to them about it, and they're all excited about it. How is it designed? What do you, is there a certain direction you can give people if they pick up the book or if they sure. get the journal? Yeah. Yeah. So um, the book is divided into chapters and then each chapter has lessons so that you can sit down with your Bible, read your um, verses to um, lead you into the lesson, then read the lesson. And then there are some questions to contemplate your heart and to look at some um, cross-reference texts at the end of each lesson. And then the companion journal gives you a place to record your thoughts and ideas. It offers some extra journal prompts and, you know, just some extra, extra thoughts and um, ideas. It's not, you can do the study without the companion journal. It's just an extra there for you. Where can people get this? It is available. Check out comparisongirl.com and you can see, you can learn more about the journal and the different, uh, we've got some freebies for you there, some screensavers for the mm -hmm. Comparison Girl and, and some other things. And, you know, anywhere books are sold. So if you have a local Christian bookstore, it'd be great to support your local store or on Amazon. On Amazon, you can get the companion journal and the book. Um, the companion journal might not be available everywhere. You can always ask for it. Right, and, and I think down the road there's going to be a video um, so people can use yeah. that in a small group setting. So yeah. stay tuned for that. You know, so as we finish up our time here, I just want to encourage all the listeners out there. I've, I've read through this book, folks. I'm sitting here with the author, but the message is Jesus's. I mean, it's mm -hmm. from him. She does a great job of not only telling some cool stories, like we talked about the teacher and, and the lady with the hymn book at, at the very beginning mm -hmm. when she was four. She does a lot of great personal stories, but she 
but it's all backed up by scripture and the word. And so it's a great study. I know it's going to be just impactful for people if they're willing to talk about it. <laughs> yes, talking about it. And I noticed you had your red pen with you, Susan. Yes, I did. <laughs> a red pen. And really this, um, this book is centered around these upside down comparison statements of Jesus. Um, like the first will be last and the last will be first, those verses that are in red in your Bible. And, and so the, it's a study of the stories that Jesus told or the conversations he had with people who were comparing. And then Jesus is saying like, okay, this is how things are compared in my kingdom. And so really that's the, the book is a study of those upside down statements of Jesus. Yes, great stuff, great stuff. So what kind of encouragement would you offer someone listening today who, who is just really struggling? What final words would you have for them? You know what? Um, there, if, if we can adopt a me-free mindset where we're just free of measuring ourselves, there will be this new freedom to take an honest look at what is in my measuring cup. And it's different from what's in Susan's measuring cup. And, and not only see what's in the cup, but go ahead and tip my cup and pour it out into somebody else. And there's this freedom in serving the world with what I have been given. I can't even tell you how freeing this has been for me um, to just adapt this new mindset of Jesus. And I just want everyone to experience it. And not only freedom for myself, but freedom to celebrate. You know what? God put something different in her measuring cup Mm -hmm. and I can celebrate. Yeah. How cool is that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's great. So I thank you so much for being here today and having this great conversation about comparison and and I hope everyone out there will go ahead and, and pick up these materials and read them and, and really take the time to think about this and change, change your mindset because God wants freedom for you. He mm-hmm. wants freedom. And he wants you to learn to live, as she states in her book, free from the desire to prove yourself and measure up, free from self-doubt, free from jealousy and envy, free from self-focus and self-centeredness, free to be you, like we talked about, the unique you God designed. And then, of course, for what's the purpose? To pour yourself out and serve with joy, with joy, not measurement. So thank you so much, Shannon, for being here. What a great interview with Shannon. Be sure to visit ComparisonGirl.com for more information on her book. You won't be disappointed. Wondering how you can support the notice? Of course, keep listening, but feel free to share episodes with others. You can also post a review on iTunes because the more reviews we get, the better. Or maybe you have an idea for a podcast or another suggestion. Send your feedback to me by emailing me at susan at susankhookstra.com. As always, I appreciate your support. Next time on The Notice... With racial tensions erupting in our country, are you at a loss for what to do? How do we celebrate diversity? Listen in on the next episode where we hear some racial stories, encourage our brothers and sisters of color, and take notice of three different ways we can respond to current issues. Until next time, take notice.
Lord.